seriously popular. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In today's episode... Time for Ratcliffe to sack Ten Hag. Is De Bruyne the Premier League's greatest? And why Deeney will only last 10 minutes as a manager? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. So you've done that really annoying thing this morning. Mm. <laughs> what, what, what again? You have. You've done that thing that really annoying people do on Twitter where you've said good morning to everybody to boast at how early you've got up. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, it's, no, it, maybe I just view it as uh, just saying hello to, to the world. Needy. Uh, and, uh, needy. Is it needy or is it just being nice? Needy. Good morning nice. to all the early risers. Have a lovely day. Thumbs yeah. up. Thumbs up emoji. And I hope you have a lovely day. Chris Sutton. You know what really, anno- really annoyed me about that? <laughs> really, <laughs> really annoyed me about that is the fact that it's had 36,000 views, yeah. 708 likes and 49 comments, every single one of which was positive. Mm. Have, Maybe, good yeah. morning to you, Chris. Good morning, legend. Yeah, Have a good the, day, superstar. That's nice. If if you want to try it one day, just see what you get back, see how it feels. Do you want to know what would happen if I did that? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, come Nothing on. Nothing would happen. Do you want a hug? Nothing would happen. There'd be no engagement. Oh, There'd be come no on. engagement. There's only one thing worse have been called names on Twitter, and that's been <laughs> ignored. Oh. So there we go. Um, anyway, good morning. Good to see you back in the studio. It's been Have a, a lovely wh- day. It's been a while since we've um, done this. Um, I met another famous person on the train this morning to go with uh, Sue Pollard from a couple of months ago, Angus Dayton from a month ago. This morning, 5am, in the waiting room, and Stockport Station, Kevin Sinfield. Sir Kev. yes. Kevin Sinfield on my train. Rugby league legend, ultra marathon running legend, fundraising legend on my train. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the nerve to say hello to him. Oh, did you not? No, no he's um, it, it, it. It's wonderful what he's done, and you know, for for Rob Burrows, his his powerless former teammate, the the fundraising which you know he's doing for uh, for for MND. I mean, and I mean, just his sheer guts, will, determination to. to I mean, it's it's ultra running, isn't it? That I mean, seven it, it's ultras in seven days in seven different cities. Kev did before uh, Christmas. I tell you what, he's a big unit. I know he was a. Um, he was he was um, 
uh, a halfback for Leeds Rhinos before he switched over to coach the uh, defence of the England Rugby Union team. He was a halfback, big lad, even as a halfback, big lad. Wouldn't want to mess. Wouldn't want to mess with Sir Kev, that's for sure. <laughs> right, football. Let's talk about football. Um, Manchester United have just drawn two all with with what we all consider to be a very very good football team. So why once again are they getting all the criticism this morning? Is that not a decent result two all against Tottenham? Uh, it depends uh, how you view it, doesn't it? Uh, I thought it was a fascinating day, fascinating watch. Um, Sir Jim Radcliffe there sat next to Sir Alex. The Radcliffe revolution uh, begins. I think that's the way everybody viewed it. And of course, revolution, you think uh, new era, new dawn, new system, uh, change at the club. Uh, and I just wondered what he thought sitting next to Sir Alex. And clearly, you know, Big fan. He was kicking every ball, heading every ball, uh, cheering the yeah, the Manchester United goals, and sort of a frown when uh, when Spurs scored. But he was sat next to a guy who's who had had twenty years of dominance uh, at Manchester United, and for the last decade they have been in decline. Uh, but watching um, his team yesterday in their own backyard get dominated by Tottenham. Um, and and that's the way the game uh, panned out. And watched his team set up to to counterattack. And when you talk about uh, when I talk about the um, Sir Alex Ferguson era, uh, at this moment in time, I think we both agree that Manchester United are a counterattacking team, and they can throw the odd punch and land with the odd punch. The likes of Garnacho, we've seen you know a couple of moments this season. Bruno, I don't think he should be captain, but he does possess great quality. Marcus Rashford turned up for a, a period yesterday, but Sir Alex Ferguson's team didn't just land, uh, land the odd punch. They were relentless. It was blow after blow after blow. Um, total commitment, total domination. Uh, that's Sir Alex Ferguson era. I think if you're looking at the team this season and, you know, he'll be looking at everything within the club. They'll be looking to fix the leaks in the roof. They'll be looking to make improvements at the training ground. But what can he improve and improve right now? Uh, and I think that it's time when where he really needs to scrutinise Eric Ten Hag and I suspect he'll be thinking about a change. I think the safe thing to do would be to make the change in the summer and give himself time. But if he evaluates Manchester United this season and you, and he strips back and looks at their results and the way that they play, I think he should make the change now because they have been bottom half bullies. At home against uh, against teams from the bottom half, they have dominate, dominated possession. But against half decent teams at Old Trafford, Manchester United have let themselves be dominated. And this is a manager who's been in for 18 months now. And when you look, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll talk about Postacoglu again, talk about Unai Emery, at the change that they have made and their sides are progressive, Manchester United at this moment in time are going backwards. And it, it's like small comforts at this moment in time. Hoyland scoring, good for him, I'm pleased for him. Uh, Rashford, as I say, uh, you know, rocking up Garnacho having moments, but that's all they are. And he can talk about players coming back. But as a whole, uh, this season, 
Manchester United aren't going to change as far as I can see in the way that they play. And as a club and the history of the club and that 20-year uh, that period under Sir Alex Ferguson, that must be what Sir Jim Radcliffe wants to get back to. So how is he going to do it? Is there a better option out there as manager? And I think there are at this moment in time. So I think it's time for a change. He, uh, uh, the Radcliffe revolution, new era, new manager required. I think that's an extraordinary thing for you to say. Do you really? I do. Yeah, I do. Have you watched Manchester United this you, season? You know I have. Uh, you know I have. You know um, my views on Ten Hag. Our our views on Ten Hag over the course of this season have pretty much run in parallel. Started off with very strong support. Um, support for the way dealt with some of the issues at the club that we know about. Um, Jane Sancho, Cristiano Ronaldo last season, for example. And then we have seen the way the team has regressed this season, and it has regressed. And we've started to look at the team and wonder how well it's being coached and what, how well uh, Ten Hag is managing to get his messages through, whether he's improving players, whether he's improving a team. So we've started to ask questions about him. However, I think to suggest that Jim Ratcliffe, whose takeover hasn't even been fully ratified by the league yet, to suggest that he comes in, walks into his office, sits down at his desk, picks up the phone and bins the manager straight away, I think is a remarkable call. Ratcliffe has to get into and his football team. You know that Dave Brailsford will be part of it. I'm sure there'll be others. Um, you know, we both think that the likes of John Murta down Fletcher probably won't be long for the football club. So there will be other people, I'm sure. Those people, those experts, as far as I'm concerned, have got to be given or got to give themselves the time to look at the football club and decide where the fault lies and decide whether some of those players are beyond help um, or whether it's down to the recruitment and whether... Uh, Ten Hag has his fingerprints on some of that, which we think he has, and how much of it is on the coach. And I don't think that Jim Ratcliffe can make that decision or would be wise to make that decision on the back of one afternoon sitting next to Alex Ferguson in the other spot. It's too soon, but, Chris. But, but, it's but, too but, soon. But he, but he wouldn't have been judging it because they are his club. He wouldn't have been judging it on the back of one Sunday afternoon. You've got to get inside but, but the club. It, but, but he would have seen the team play now for 18 months under Ten Hag. And, and, and Manchester United at home, OK, 36% possession against Tottenham. Possession is possession. Everything, of course, is not. But the decent teams they've played at home this season, they ended up getting over the line against Villa. But Villa had the bulk of the possession. Mm. Bayern Munich, we were both there. Mm. It was you know, a yeah. really harrowing night for Manchester United. Uh, Chelsea, uh, Manchester City, Brighton, go to Old Trafford in the backyard. That, ne- that never used Chris. to happen. So, so, so it's about identity. But when you, when you, you know, everybody's t- uh, talking about the changes which need to be made at Manchester United. And, and, and what can Jim Radcliffe affect? And I think he, ne- he does need to make the change. Now, because he can let things meander on uh, until the summer and they can walk around with the clipboards and say that, that you know, the recruitment's wrong and, and the roof needs fixing and, and things aren't right at the training ground. But are there better people out there who could do a more effective job than Ten Hag well, could do? And, and I think there are. And the fact they're in regression, it, it, it looks like this will just meander on to the summer and then they'll make the change. 
And I think if you know if it, if it is a revolution, then you have to come in and make your mark. As a, a, I mean, he's not the owner, but he's running the football department. Yeah, I must. I, I, I have, I have to, to say, and I was thinking this yesterday. I, I wasn't there yesterday. I made possibly the worst decision um, uh, that I've made since I wore that Christmas jumper on our podcast just before just before Christmas. I made the decision to go to Everton versus Aston Villa yesterday, um, which was a mistake with <laughs> with hindsight. So I wasn't there, but when I saw the images of Gene Ratcliffe in the press room talking to reporters and then in the in the in the director's box, etc. It did strike me that never before has there been so much fuss made about a man who essentially owns a quarter of the football club. Mm. You know, it's extraordinary really that, that a man who who's who's putting an awful lot of money into the football club, but it's a football club that's still owned largely by the Glazer family, he's been given so much power, so we're led to believe on the back of this twenty five percent in investment has he become powerful uh, and i don't know this you've probably got a great knowledge has he become powerful by being indecisive and not making decisions no no absolutely not but i'd be surprised if he's become powerful and successful by making rash and hasty are united decisions. In, are united in regression you've said they are yes but right, I, okay so but i think he needs but there can be more reasons for that than just a coach I'm not. I'm not saying that over that. The, if I if I had to put a tenner on the table now and say is Eric Ten Hag going to be manager of Manchester United a year from now, I'd say no. My money would go no. Well, why, why, well, 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 therefore, I don't understand what you're arguing. I'm not saying that there isn't any chance at all. I'm saying that Jim Ratcliffe needs to give himself some time. Let's not repeat the argument. You're okay. on that side of it. I'm on this side of it. You're right. I do agree with you when you talk about control. And that's been missing from Manchester United's play for 10 years. There hasn't been a Manchester United team since Alex Ferguson that has, that has known how to control a football match. And when I got back from Goodison Park last night, and obviously I watched the United highlights, and I was flicking through social media, and there are people I... Oh, you know, there's a lot of stupid noise uh, uh, on on platforms like Twitter, uh, or X as we're now supposed to call it, and we know that. But also people on, on social media who I've followed for years, sensible Manchester United football fans, people who I know understand the way their team is supposed to play and they understand their club. And they were all of them last night saying the same thing. By complete coincidence, they were all saying what you were saying, which is our football team can't control a match. So how can... And 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 I understand Manchester United fans who say, "Well, we've we've got players who are out injured." You're thinking, "How many are going to make that much of a difference?" Positive Martinez uh, came back for them, but how can Postacoglu put a team together as yesterday? Albeit he had his, you could you could argue, you know, his, his best centre half pairing, albeit sort of. Uh, cobbled together to get them on the pitch. You know they've had issues this this uh, this last week, as all clubs have. But look, if you look, if you looked at their midfield, it wasn't a first choice midfield. Hoiberg, uh, Skip, uh, Bentenker uh, scored a brilliant goal, but they've barely played this season. So that was a sort of second string midfield. Bentenker, when he's fit, will you know probably mm. play when he gets up to speed. You look at the front line: no Son, no Kulisevsky. You know, key players, but yet they have an identity, a trust, a way of playing, and they are a team who you can, who, who you can. We all understand how they're getting better under the manager and 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 believe in the in the patterns of play and the way that they play. And we still don't know what Manchester United are, other than a bloody good counter-attacking team. But Manchester United cannot. They 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 cannot go on like this. They need to get back to what they once were. 
and that's the demands of the football club. How are they going to do it? So, and so it, it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen under Ten Hag. What, I, I like him as a guy, but I think his, you know, his days are numbered. So two very, very uh, quick questions. Um, if An- if Hans Postecoglou was in charge of that Manchester United team, do you think he'd get a better tune? Absolutely. Out? You think he'd get a better tu- tune out of them? Do you think that? Ten- Did you see the Tottenham team he took over? Yes. Do you think? Yeah, but he but the, but that the Tottenham team that he has now is 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 a new Tottenham team. It's a largely new Tottenham team. But, the, but so, so just go on. You have to go on. Okay. And secondly, mm, lost Harry Kane. Secondly, do you think that? The, the players that Ten Hag has at his disposal are capable of controlling um, a football match. No mass, No, have they got the players in that central area who can do it? Have they? They've so, got a young so, kid so, in Maynu. So, 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 uh, so, uh, have so, they? So, young kid in Maynu. You they? know, the Maynu debate is really interesting. You know, have they got the players um, to control a match? Yeah, well, hang on a minute. Against a, against a Tottenham midfield, uh, Hoiberg and, uh, and, and Skipper have barely played this season. Should, should they not be doing better? Should they well, not be well, controlling? No. That? And then you then you look at all the decent sides they've played this season. They have retreated this season against anybody half decent. That is not part of the the Manchester United, uh, which I knew in my in my playing days. It was attack, attack, attack. At the moment, it's anybody half good will retreat, 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 and will counterattack because that's what we're good at. Mm. It's about taking the club back to a level. Where the supporters are satisfied and they are they are they are challenging and dominating and they aren't going to do it under this manager. He spent four hundred and odd million, so no excuses there. Now, one of the things that we think that we both agree, um, Ten Hag has got right in Manchester United this season was the way that he dealt with Jadon Sancho. Um, we know the backstory; we don't need to go over it. Sancho's now gone on loan back to Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga from whence he came. Uh, when he got there at the weekend, he, he declared that he felt like he was coming home. Interesting call. Um, played in Dortmund's 3-0 win at Darmstadt 98, I think laid on a goal. What interested me was a quote from the Dortmund chief exec, Joachim Watzka, who said, Jaden doesn't have any discipline problems. He has only one problem. He occasionally arrives late. So... <laughs> That's a discipline. So problem. there we go. So even <laughs> even Sancho's friends and admirers and the people now paying some of his wages are admitting that he can't turn up to training on time. So my and this is a guy, by the way, who, if we believe the spin and the publicity of a few weeks ago, is and I'm doing those awful quotation marks, training like a beast. We were told that Manchester United training like a beast, at least well training on training like a beast um, when he eventually turned up. It would it would appear. Um, Ten Hag got that one right. He did. Um, you know what? Good luck to Jane Sancho in Germany, but you know what? I'm not sure I really care that much anymore. I think some players have chances and then they run out of chances. Yeah. Um, which actually takes us to another um, another former Manchester United player who seems, to, who seems to have run out of chances. And my, my take on this one is, is slightly different. I want to talk a little bit about Jesse, Jesse Lingard. Um, Won an FA Cup with Manchester United, a League Cup, a Europa League. Played for England in the World Cup semi-final. He was Premier League Player of the Month when he was playing for West Ham as uh, recently as April 2021. He's 31, Jesse. He's without a club, free agent, without a club. Now split from his agent. Um, 
that feels a little bit like a, a career that's that's fizzling out, if indeed it hasn't fizzled out already. Yeah, I, I, I think it is sad. We've seen it with uh, with Deli Ali, who's trying to get back on track. I've, um, in truth, with Jesse Lingard, I'd forgotten about him anyway um, because of what happened at you know Nottingham Forest. I didn't actually know where he was, who he's attached to. Uh, the agent thing. Um, you know, I, I I couldn't care less. The only person who's going to change this situation is Jesse Lingard, and uh, you know he'll he'll probably have to do the hard yards. I don't know whether he will have to trial it. Depends where where he is aiming at. What I do know, at thirty one, he must still have uh, something to offer somewhere. So I, I hope for his sake. You know, everybody used to tell me play for as long as you can. I hope for his sake that he finds a club and finds a level um, which he is where, where he's just happy it, I, I don't know where he's at financially whether he's made you know enough money um, this that and the other but you know with with the agent thing an agent is gonna, isn't going to get him a, no, a, a, it, you, it, know, you know a club it, 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 it's purely down to to him and his desire and where he sees himself at it's normally down it's normally the last resort of a desperate player who, who, who dumps an agent because he, he he thinks that the agent it's the agent's fault that he's not getting a club or not getting the move that he wants or not getting the money that he wants. Doesn't work. Like you know, that, it didn't always it? work like that. Jesse is um, is uh, lambasted by by many people, denigrated by many people. People see him as um, flash. People see him as um, not dedicated. People see him as a player who cares about image more than football. Is there any merit and, 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 is there any merit in, and as far, in those three things? And as far as I'm concerned, no, none of that is true. I, I I can only offer the insight that I've gleaned from sitting down with Jesse on on two separate occasions actually. Um two in, interviews w- with him when he was at Manchester United. The the latter was um I think it would have been in the autumn of 2000 and uh, 19, I think. I think it was just before um, the first COVID lockdown. And I went to meet Jesse in ICU's training ground. I was asked to come and do an interview, interview with him and, and, and was told that he had something he wanted specifically to talk about. When I got there, he sat down and told me about um, problems in his personal life. He told me about his um, uh, difficulties, difficulties that his mother was having. Um, his mother was in, was, was in hospital at the time. Um, and Jesse was having to look after his his own uh, younger brother and sister, uh, essentially uh, act as parent. He was also a new father himself. He was going to kind of his parents' evening for his brother and his and his for his sister, and he was struggling. He was really really struggling, and he told me that because he wanted people to know that he had stuff going on. This is why he hadn't been playing to the level that he wanted to play at, and he wanted to get it out there and off his chest, and. I just felt it was it was genuine. I had no reason to to feel that it wasn't genuine, and I know that those problems have been ongoing from time to time. People criticised me. He had a very good loan at West Ham when yeah, he did, did when yeah. he did well, did well for David Moyes. And what, everyone, what happened at Forest then? And everyone expected him to go to West Ham as a free when United eventually released him, and he chose Forest. People said that was for the money. It wasn't true. He was offered more money by West Ham than he was offered by Nottingham Forest. He went to Nottingham Forest because it was closer to his to his family. He could get back to Manchester more quickly. At least that was his explanation, and I took that at, at, at face value. And it didn't work 
It didn't work at Forest. I don't know why it didn't work at Forest. We'd have to ask Steve Cooper about that, I guess. You'd have to ask Jesse about that. I don't know. What I do know is that he's a lad who cares about football and he and he's a good lad and he and his heart is absolutely in the right place. And you know what? It might just mean it might just be you've just said play for as long as you as as you, you can, right? And that works for many, many pros. Squeeze every last drop out of your career because it's a short career anyway, as as you know, you in a better position to talk about that than I am and I get that if you can play till you're 35 if your body lets you great if you can play longer superb but you know what some careers are just not de- are destined not to be like that some people's minds are not like that professional football is an incredibly exacting profession me- mentally and physically some people just aren't made that way and you know what Jesse Lingard's not 25, he's 31. He's played for 50, he's played for 15 years or whatever, played for 12, 13 years. He's won what I've already said he's won. And if that's it for him, if that turns out to be it for him, mm. then, then that's okay. As far as I'm concerned, that's okay. And I just hope, without getting too soppy and sentimental about it, I actually just hope that Jesse is okay. I hope mm. he's okay because I like him. And I think he's I don't think he's got anything left to prove. And I just hope he's. I hope he's all right. Yeah, I think it's fascinating what you've said. You finished off by saying I don't think he's got anything left to prove. But do you think that that it's fair that there there will be people out there? I may I may be one of those who who would look at Jesse Lingard and the talent which he uh, no doubt possesses and thinks and think should he have should he have done more with his career? Should should he have done more with his talent? Is that is that not fair? But. but on one hand, yes, but on the other hand, talent only goes in a, talent. Talent sits alongside your mental capacity to deal with what comes with being a professional athlete, doesn't it? You you, mm. you know that, and some people go so far, and and for whatever reason, either their mind or the body or a combination of both tells them, or or stops them going any further. He's played for Manchester United. Played for the biggest club in the world. He's played in the World Cup semi-final he's achieved he's he's achieved yeah we could all achieve more could you know serious point you could have had more England caps okay you could have done better at Chelsea okay we could all do more Chris and but maybe for him this is it maybe it's the end of the road maybe that's the way it's supposed to be if he gets if he gets a, a move somewhere on a free and someone takes a chance on him and he takes off again great and if he doesn't, let it be. We're not in charge. We're not in charge of his life. We're not in charge of any footballer's life. If that's where it gets to, and that's okay by them, that's okay by me. I don't see, I don't see a waste of talent there. I see a waste of talent if if you spend your life in, if you're an athlete, you spend your life, you know, doing the wrong things, uh, eating the wrong stuff, drinking the wrong stuff, hanging out with the wrong people. That's a waste of talent. Your career coming to an end earlier than than we would like it to does not necessarily mean it's a waste of a talent. It just means, mm. it's, uh, yeah, just means it's and a, that's the way you view it. But I, I, I think there is the other perspective. Yeah, and, of course, and, you know, of course I, can, I, I can understand that when when you see such a uh, you know such a young promising player develop and, and probably not not played the number of games. Um, at the highest level, which he should have done. So I, I, I get both but, sides. Okay, but you know what, mate? We've all got shit in our lives, right? We've all got shit in our lives. We've all got stuff in our lives. And, you know, Jesse's had some in his. 
and all I hope is that he's all right and he's fine and his kids are fine and his brother and sister are fine and he's happy and he goes on and, and achieves something else in, in, in his life. Yeah. So, anyway, talking of a player who uh, certainly has... Uh, this is a really bad link, um, but we'll go with it anyway. He, he's got uh, still got plenty to offer, showed it at St James's Park on Saturday. Kevin De Bruyne is back. I think it was Jurgen Klopp a couple of weeks ago who said that De Bruyne is back in training. Everybody else has started to shake. Well, he was right. Was shaken. Was shaking. Was shaken. Goal, but goal from De Bruyne. Assist from De Bruyne. Win for Manchester City. It all feels a bit ominous, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Poor free kick. Um, <laughs> yeah, going to Pep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, just, I, wouldn't, I couldn't work for Pep, you know. He'd fry my brain. <laughs> I could. I'd last about a week under uh, Guardiola. He'd uh, fry my brain. He really would. Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's high standards, isn't it? Yeah, just what saying what everybody else thinks and knows. Here come Manchester City. De Bruyne's fit has been out for months. Blimey. He's, uh, you know, looks back to uh, his imperious best straight away, which is is an enormous worry. The way the way he took the goal was, you know, was brilliant. The spot to place it through Shah's legs, yeah. as well. Just, uh, I mean, just so sharp. And I think it was Micah Richards who spotted. I'm sure other people I didn't spot it on 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 match today that he'd that he'd also slightly given the goalkeeper the eyes. The goalkeeper had taken mm. a step to his left, which put him off balance. I mean, is it possible to give someone the eyes from 25 yards out? You should, well, you he should could, know. Well, he, yeah, I think Kevin De Bruyne would know a little bit better than me. But no, it was, uh, you know, he's such a, such a clever player. But uh, no, it, it it's it's worrying. And I think we both, I don't think we, you know, don't say we over worried about this, but we were we were both aware that at some stage Manchester City will get going, and and probably that was the catalyst. And then, you, then you see Silver's goal. I mean, how good was that? Nice. Foden's flowing. Got Harland, John to Stones come to come back. Harland to come, and, the, and, then, and then they'll probably sign somebody yeah. at the end of the window as well. And then Oscar Bob coming. Now, Oscar oh, Bob. Oh my God! Now, finish. Oscar Bob. So, I've been getting a bit of grief on Twitter on your behalf actually because of our our ongoing mutual love for Cole Palmer. Um, we've had a few. Well, I've had quite a few City fans giving it. Giving it the big on Twitter about you know we don't we you know he's gone off to play for a mid-table club we don't need him we've got Oscar Bob well <laughs> they have got Oscar Bob and the thing about Oscar Bob is that that goal brilliantly taken as it was as far as I'm concerned isn't even the best moment of his season the best moment of his season for those of listeners who want to go and find it came about a month ago when a pass against Sheffield United. For, that led to a City goal for Foden, I think, took out about six Sheffield United defenders in over the space of one 10-yard pass. I mentioned it at the time on the podcast. Henry, our producer, edited it out only because this show does always tend to run over time, so some bits do have to come out. That bit came out. So I want to go back to it again. He's, that boy is a, clearly a talent, and they just come... They are... Coming out of the woodwork at Manchester City, aren't they? At the moment, you know, every time yeah. you every time you walk into a room at Man City's training ground, there's another, there's there must be another yeah, off, another yeah. Phil Foden waiting to walk out. Yeah, uh, and listen, I'm I'm going to stick to my guns. I think there was a mistake letting Cole Palmer go on the evidence we've seen this season, but I'm not going to argue with people who say that uh, that Oscar that Bob is is phenomenal. Bob on. 
He's Bob on, he's Oscar. Mm. He's Bob on. Right, now that takes us neatly into our five-a-side section, the uh, little one that we've... You're laughing, laughing my clumsy segues from one section to another. No, 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 I'm laughing because I I know... Because you know what's coming. I know what's coming and uh, I've had... I've had a sleepless night. So this is our new little game that we started playing every Monday where um, we take turns in choosing our best five. So um, the first week, uh, Chris did best five um, Premier League managers of the season. Last week, I did my uh, top five Liverpool forwards that I've ever seen. You got some reaction to that. Yeah, I did. Yeah, not all of it positive. Well, let's get into yours because yours this week is... um, You've decided to name your five best Premier League midfielders in ascending order, which means fifth first. So five to one, best Premier League midfielders, off you go. Yeah, well, this is off the back of De Bruyne's performance and everybody so on social media, people saying, well, he's the greatest um, Premier League midfielder there has ever been. Uh, but my top five are, and this, this was really difficult, and I actually put it on the family chat, and we all had uh, we all had a, a, a different opinions. So, uh, so is this actually there, your, is this I'm, your wife's so I'm, top five? I'm, 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 or your, is this your I'm, wife's? This this is my top five. But I'm I'm apologising because there are so many great players who I've left out. But here, but here goes. Can anyway. you get on with it, please. Yep. Um, Patrick Vieira at five. I mean, just just. The way he lifted uh, the Arsenal team, the greatest Arsenal team I've ever seen in my lifetime. He had everything. Brilliant leadership. He he was strong. He was robust. Lifted players around him. But uh, he would be in at five. Frank Lampard at four. His numbers, the goals he scored. A lot of penalties. uh, A lot of 30-yarders as well. I think you're doing him a disservice. I am. Um, you know, big goals as well. A big game player. So he'd be my number four. Kevin De Bruyne. The artist Kevin De Bruyne at three. What can't he do? You know, he's got such unbelievable awareness. Eyes in the back of his head. Only number three. Which other players can't. Only at three, Kevin. At number two, Roy Keane. I just would have loved to have uh, to have, have been in that Manchester United team in that dressing well, room. Well, I mean, you did play with him briefly, didn't you? Uh, well, n- never in the same team. We, oh. we trained together. Okay. For, for a couple of weeks, but I, I would I, I was in awe of him. Uh, Were you? Uh, yeah, as, as a player, just I mean that whole United team. But he was he was he was the leader. He was the catalyst. He was the you know the go to man, the driving force. So he would be in it too. And my number one would be Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes. Um, Satnav. I mean, what couldn't he do? And people talk about De Bruyne. I think Scholes. Um, Every bit as 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 good as De Bruyne in terms of passing range, ability, awareness. Maybe stronger in the tackle than uh, than Kevin De Bruyne. But but I I mean it's so difficult to choose. But if you look at Paul Scholes' numbers, I think eleven Premier Leagues he won. De Bruyne's you know nowhere near that at this moment in time. But we I think it's it, it's sort of easy to forget players from. I say the early Premier League era, he went back to Manchester United and won things as well, but he was such a phenomenal player. I've left Steven Gerrard out. How could I do that? I've left Kante out. One, How what, can I do that? One thing that you say, what you said is it's anything that Paul Scholes couldn't do. Yeah, there was one thing Paul Scholes couldn't oh, do, couldn't do which, was, which was get himself 
a, a place in his in his best position in the England Ridiculous. team. In the England team. That, play that, out on the left yeah, side. But that's England's loss. No, but well, that's in, but that is interesting because it's clear that Svenjorn Eriksson, as it was at the time, and Capello, I think, um, clearly thought that because it was Gerard and Lampard mm. who were getting those, who were getting those positions yeah. where Scholes would want to play. So he obviously he obviously had them above him. Um, I mean, look, it's very difficult to argue, but I am going to. I mean, for me, <laughs> I, I think one. I think for me, one to five would just be keen, 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 keen. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think I, okay. I, I mean he is he is the best um, midfield player. Maybe didn't win. As, look, didn't I, didn't I, win as much as Scholes at Manchester United. But, but wow, look, I mean, to me, a great player plays to his levels when 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 everyone around them, when people around him are struggling, and that was what Keane always did. Keane's levels were always immaculate because he played in some transitional Man United teams that were quite poor for periods of seasons. And he, his levels were never dropped. Extraordinary, extraordinary man. Uh, it, to me, a se- second only in the all-time list, to, as far as I'm concerned, to, to Graeme Souness. But in terms of that five, so yeah, Keane's in there, Skull's in there. I'm not sure of the order. I've got to have Gerard in there. Have to have Gerard in there. So, so, so Lampard might have to bump, which seems harsh. Seems harsh. Mm-hmm. And I'd want to have Yaya Toy in there. I'd want Yaya Toy in there. I, I don't know where I would get, how I'd get him in there, because he was phenomenal in that Manchester City team. I talked last week when I put Kevin Keegan in my top list of top five Liverpool strikers I'd seen play, and you asked me why. I said Keegan was in because of what because of what he did at the time in a transitional. Uh, Liverpool team. Torre was the same. He was one of the first big signings of Abu Dhabi signings and he came into a team and he dragged that team. He scored big goals in FA Cup semi-finals, I think in a final, check that one. Big goals in the, I remember him scoring a big goal at Newcastle in that, in the, towards the end of that first City title season when they nicked it from my United on the last day. Phenomenal athlete, so quick. It was it was a real shame the way he left. You know, he made an idiot of himself in the way that he left City. He made an idiot idiot of himself, and he, and I think he regrets that. But as a player, magnificent. So I'd try and get Yaya in there somewhere, but I don't know where. So anyway, look, um, I'm sure that that will. I um, hope that's um, prompted a few thoughts, a bit of debate. Maybe let us know what you think. Um, remember, uh, find us on find either of us on Twitter um, or but. Or, or, or don't if you disagree. Uh, ideally, ideally, leave some leave some comments in the show notes on Spotify or uh, or on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please remember to subscribe to the show. Um, that really helps. Now, last week um, I did my Liverpool um, top five, which I'm now struggling to remember. So I'm going to have to think deep. I I did um, Salah, uh, Dalglish, Rush. Suarez, Keegan got quite a bit of grief from yeah, people. You, you've gone in the other order there, haven't you? Yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's one yeah, to five. Yeah, that's yeah. one to five. Yeah, thanks for pointing Very that confusing. out. Um, Fowler Keegan was a big one. Um, quite a few people have come back at me in that one. Mm-hmm. I get that, Robbie Fowler. Um, but what became clear from a lot of the comments we've had, particularly on Twitter, was the love that's out there for, for Ian Rush. Ian Rush topped so many of your charts. Um, Who was my number one? Yours was Ian Rush. I've got three here. Um, Twitter, Michael Doyle went Rush, Hunt, Salah, Fowler, Suarez. Chris Shand went Rush, Torres, Fowler, Aldridge, Owen. Yeah. And Rob on Twitter. Yeah, I love John Aldridge. Um, And Rob on Twitter, Rush, Salah, Suarez, Fowler, 
Torres. So there you go. Great debate. We're never going to never going to all agree. And um, let us know what you think. And this time next week, we'll be back at it with another five aside. Now, um, before we move out of all that ent- uh, entirely, Henry, our producer, was banging on and on on the WhatsApp group on Saturday about Anthony Gordon. Um, he's done terrifically for Newcastle in a Newcastle team that is struggling. It's amazing, by the way, to think that to think that Newcastle have lost 10 games this season in the Premier League. This time last year, they'd lost one. That's that's extraordinary. We know they talk about their injuries, but you know they've got nine. Tottenham have got 12. So there are all the teams out there with injuries. Anthony Gordon's kept his levels high. Henry, our producer, seems to think he should be in the England team. Quick thoughts on that, Chris? Um, I think he's had a uh, a good season uh, so far. I think that we see him really maturing under Eddie Howe, and I think that's a, that's a massive plus. But in terms of is Henry talking about a, a, a starting position in the England team? He is. Team? Um, he thinks he should. He thinks uh, he thinks um, he should play on the left left side with Kane through the middle and Saka on the other side. Uh, for me, it, for me, it's for for me, it's Foden Foden on the left side for me. Yeah, uh, well, you've got Foden. Uh, you, you'd have to say this season, performance-wise, um, he's performed better than Rashford. Uh, Rashford yeah. has been inconsistent. Uh, you know, Raheem Sterling, Gareth has a sort of block on him, but um, you know, I'm with you, Foden off the left hand side. Really, as well. And by the way, yeah. you, men- you mentioned Rashford. Um, very nice goal he scored at the weekend. I mean, the celebration. The kind of talking hand celebration. I mean, look, mm. Marcus, look, celebrate, celebrate how you like, mate. But do you talking on the but, pitch? Um, I'm not sure who you're listening to at the moment, mate. But it may, it may be the wrong people. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Chelsea beat Fulham 1-0 at home. Um, not much to say about the game. What there is some, what there is to say is an extraordinary spectacle early in the game. And, and for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm just going to try and explain it. Uh, three times in the first 20 minutes of the game at Stamford Bridge, in a, a couple of rows behind the dugout in front of the press box, eight men dressed, young men dressed in what are described as green velvet um, jackets, stood up. The um, first time they stood up, uh, or one of the times they stood up and um, made a big uh, display of looking at their watch. The second time they produced uh, books and were, like they were reading a novel. And the third time, believe it or not, they were brushing their teeth. What on earth is that about, you may ask? Well, it's about... What's prom- that about? It's a promotion of a film. I'm not going to mention the name of the film because that just gives 
Chelsea or whoever's idea it was, were exactly what they were after. But Mauricio Pochettino had the name of the film on his jacket, on the, on his sleeve. I'm not saying it's anything to do with Poch. It's not his film. He had it. He'd, he, 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 he was kind of asked to go along with it. The um, Chelsea owner, joint owner, uh, Todd Bowley, uh, or his PR people have suggested that his... Uh, has denied suggestions that it's one of his production companies who are producing this film. But regardless of that, what is going on in our Premier League? When you played at Chelsea, Chris, it was, the only people you could see behind the dugouts were the bright were the, were the bright red tunics of the Chelsea pensioners. What is this all about, by the way? Mm. What, I, I, what to, to be fair, a mess. Yeah, what I, a joke. When I played at Chelsea, I didn't want to make eye contact with the crowd. So I don't know who was where. <laughs> even, the, uh, even the Chelsea pensioners <laughs> were giving you grief. <laughs> yeah, and they were a nice lot. Uh, it's, it's a circus. Um, there's a couple of things I don't understand from what you've said. So Pochettino had something on his jacket. So he had the name uh, of the so, film. So it's the name of the, the film on, on a jacket, but yeah, that was nothing to well, do I with... Well, I presume the club so, asked him to wear it. Yeah, no, well, well exactly. What? So, so you know, where's that? where has that order come from? Mm, uh, it, it's okay if you're winning Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues. Uh, that's fine. But when you've spent a billion pounds and your club is uh, in a bit of a pickle still and uh, way, way off where we expect them to be, it's called Reading the Room, Todd. Tell you what it has done, though. I'm now aware of the name of that film, and I wasn't before. Mm. So it's probably worked, and he probably he's probably quite happy. But I know a lot of Chelsea don't fans. Don't be angry but I, know, that, I know a lot of Chelsea fans weren't, and I, and I don't blame them. It's, it, it's, it's crass. It's crass. That's what it is. You know, we, I know you and I are of a certain age, and we look at things in a certain way, but I, think, I don't think this is an age thing. You're right. Read the room, read the room, open your eyes, open your eyes and read the room, which is, which is possibly something that Troy Deeney is, um, <sighs> is doing this, mor- this morning. Troy has had a shocker this weekend. Um, he's, the, he's, the, he's a relatively new manager of Forest Green, who are rock bottom of League Two. Uh, Deeney, former Watford striker, of course, has been in charge for six games, have drawn three and uh, lost three of them. They lost 2-0 at Harrogate on Saturday. And afterwards, this is what Deeney had to say. Probably the same as what everybody else did. A lot of nonsense. Um, group of people doing their own thing, hiding, scared. Um, I don't understand why they're scared, because should be used to losing based on what I've seen over the last 18 months, two years. Um, and I know people are going to go, oh, Troy's being harsh and Troy's deflecting, not deflecting at all, take full responsibility for it. Um, I, I picked the team and uh, yeah, I'd like to apologise to the fan base, but I, I'm not really into the apologising thing. I'm into the fixing and, and sorting the issues out at its root core. And, and the issue at its root core is we've got a lot of people that haven't gone through the, uh, the mill of humility to understand why they are here and what they've been doing. And... You know, if this is your level at League Two, then why are you at the bottom of League Two? Because this club is not a bottom of League Two club. So we have to start addressing that. Uh, and and the, the harsh realities of it is we can bring people in, which, which we will and we are. But if you come into a, an environment that is full of sulkers, full of people that blame other people, then it takes time 
and listen, you know from behind the amount of things we've had to deal with on a daily daily basis. And uh, fundamentally, that will that will change, and it will be changed very quickly. So Troy Deeney says that the environment at Forest Green is full of sulkers and full of people who blame other people. You know what I'm going to say here, Chris? I mean, who's sulking and who's blaming other people in that interview? Um, well, he took full responsibility uh, and then <laughs> the players <laughs> under the bus. Uh, big... I, I, you know, I, uh, I mean, well, that that was one part of, uh, of yeah. stuff which he said. Uh, he also singled out the, the right back, a guy called Fantaki Debo. And the stuff he said about him, I, I, I've got to say, I, I know he's apologised, Troy has, but how does he expect... Um, Fantaki to play for him again. He said he's faster than everybody. This is what Troy Deeney said about Fantaki Debo. He's faster than everybody, but he gets run every game. He never makes a tackle, and every time the ball goes to him, he looks like he kicks it with his shin pads. I mean, the thing which I don't understand about this, and I had a year at Lincoln City. Um, what do I know? I'm not an expert on Forest Green, but they cannot be blessed with an enormous squad, right? So therefore, he might need Debo. He talked about leaving him out on Tuesday night. But he might need uh, need Debo if there's an injury on a Monday. He will need him again. I'm absolutely sure. Um, you know, uh, in, in games in, in 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 some of the remaining games this season, he may not want him, but he may need him. And the fact that you know he's hung all the players out to dry, but him specifically, is Debo really going to want to run through a wall for Troy Deeney? I've said this to you many times. In the sanctuary of a dressing room, he can say basically what he likes, and I think players can stomach that. But then coming out, pretending you're taking responsibility, and then uh, and then apportioning all the blame on the players, they're not going to like that one bit. That was that was a rookie error from Troy yeah. Deeney. When I heard that the the interview that we played there, which which came courtesy of the Forest Green uh, Forest Green Twitter um, page, I just thought to myself. Blimey, that just smacks of gauchness, inexperience, mm. immaturity. It was crass. It was childish. It was weak. He thinks, Deeney probably thinks he's being strong. That's not strength. That's weakness. Blaming everybody publicly. You and I have slightly different views on what managers should and shouldn't say about players in public. I think it's okay to say that player didn't say particularly well that player did i think yeah, but, they, but, i think they should where, be able where, to but where we differ with mm. that is 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 you always have to think about the effect that has is yes. going to have on the player of course. so even even if you have to tell an untruth as a manager you you do it because you're thinking about the team the dressing room and morale and and the future and going forward. Uh, How many of those Forest Green players really want to play for Troy? It, it, it's told and they're all crap, basically, in the interviews. To, yeah. I mean, to, to say about Dave, about he looks like he kicks it with his shin pads. Mm. How bad does and, that and, and, actually and, have to and, get? And, and by the way, Dave's no rookie. Dave's 28. He was actually the guy... I don't know if you know, he was the guy who missed the penalty for Coventry in last season's championship playoff final. So he's been around, that guy. Mm. He's played at levels. He's played at levels as uh, um, almost as high as Dean he's played at, OK? So 
it's not like he's a kid and he'll, he'll have a certain strength of character. He'll have a certain belief in what he does and he won't be taking that. And you talk about um, uh, Dean is not thinking about the future. Well, do you know what the immediate future is? The immediate future for Troy Deeney and that group of players is a game tomorrow night away at Mansfield, Nigel Clough's Mansfield, who you and I both know are one of the hottest teams in the division. I think the third at the moment with the game in hand. So how's he, how on earth, well, I'll ask you, you're in that dressing room, given that he has essentially, like you say, hung them all out to dry. That must be the longest, must be the longest clothesline in history at the training ground at Forest Green. Um, if, if, if you're one of those players, forget whether you're, whether you're Fantaki Debo, if you're one of those players, what are you thinking? I, I, I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't. No, tell me. Really, tell me. Try not to swear, but tell me. Um, are you okay? I'll ask you a question. Are you thinking? You know what? We'll do it again. We'll get this guy one out the door. Uh, no, I just think that he's. Uh, I, I, I think he's a turncoat. But you know, I, I, I would. I, I don't. I don't. I don't like things like that at all. I, I would feel really let down. You know, you you want the manager to have your back, mm. and he, he, you know, he he has apologised. In fairness, and you know, he, well, and he's, he, he, he's he he's made a mistake. I I think that's a that's a huge error. That the, the public thing has always been a no no for me, but but some of the stuff is is outrageous. And it may have been emotional and anger, and he may have you know you know he has this reputation as being forthright. I've got to say, sometimes I like his opinions. But I think you have to think about uh, when you're having these opinions, the effect it has on the team. It's quite interesting to, to, to sit here opposite you at the moment and watch you um, talk about this because you're you've actually you actually slouch back in your seat. You've crossed you've crossed your, your arms. You just look very no. You look quite. I didn't know what to say. You look quite depressed. No, I, I didn't by know it. what to say because uh, honestly, if I. If if I said what I honestly thought, there would be a lot of expletives. Yeah, because well, we can be, because those out. because no, because I would feel let down as a player. That's that's an absolute no no. What Troy Deeney did, and it's worth worth pointing out by the way that Troy Deeney did have um, a good career. He made the most of his talents, yeah. but he wasn't. But his always, his um, pr- progression wasn't always an upward curve. He was, after all, part of a Watford Watford team that lost an FA Cup final six nil to Manchester City. So you know he knows what it's like to have a ba- to have a bad day, and um, I would imagine that he's probably about to find out what it's like um, when his team have another bad day, and that'll probably come at uh, against Mansfield tomorrow night. Um, I'm sure there'll be more on that, but for now, let's do the moments of the weekend. You first. Um, yeah, um, I've got I've got two moments of the weekend. I don't know whether. I don't know whether one of them is right. Uh, if you're a Grimsby Notts County fan, that five-five game Blundell Park. I mean, amazing game of football. You know, we love talking about the Premier League. There is football outside the Premier League. Just imagine being a fan of one of those two teams. Went to the wire. Notts uh, County coming from behind and then going in front five-four, and then Wood equalisers for Grimsby uh, deep into injury time. Value for money at Blundell Park. Cleethorpes. Uh, the other moment of the week, quickly, and I don't know where I stand on this. I haven't really thought about it, but Reading fans, their club is being run into the floor and fair play. And I wouldn't say this because normally, 
but it has got that bad. That is a last resort. Pitch invasion. What, yeah. the, the pitch invasion, what they did. And it wasn't It wasn't 10 kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't. They are sick of the way their club is mm. being run. Mixed feelings still, whether it was the right thing to do. But sometimes I think you've got to stand up for what you believe in and things need to change and change quickly for the future of a, a, a really excellent football club. Whatever happened to the fit and proper person stuff well it's still around just doesn't, doesn't, it? just doesn't do its job very well so for the first time ever we've actually come up with the same moment of the weekend so I've got in front of me on my laptop here Grimsby 5 Notts County 5 but it's okay because I can add I can add a little bit to it okay. so there's how many 5 I've never been to a 5-5 five five. I've never been to a 5 I've never seen Nye a 5 have. have you oh that one in Scotland, Hibs Rangers. Yeah, Neil I saw Lennon that. On, Neil Lennon yeah. did the uh, did the aeroplane. Re- Hibs manager, oh, really? which went down well. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I spotted that. I spotted that on the internet last night. Okay, well, I've never had. I've been to a five four. Been to plenty of four alls. There's been one five five in Premier League history, which was Alex Ferguson's final game as Manchester United manager, five all at at West Brom, which you can kind of. You always get funny results on the last game of the season, don't mm. you? Because there's so many games that don't matter. But it never, nevertheless stands in the history books um, as, as a five-all. There's been one in the, there was one in the Championship five years ago between Villa and Forest, five-all. Um, but I w- was looking last night. That This kind of took me down a bit of a rabbit hole into the highest-scoring games in Premier League history. And on a list on Wikipedia, you played in two of them. You five, played five, in two. Four. Um, f- yes, that April '94, Norwich four, Southampton five. So- I was on a goal bonus. Just signed a new contract at uh, at Norwich on a goal bonus. If we won or drew, oh, scored two. You I was did on score five hundred pounds a goal. So, you, so did you not get the bonus no. because you lost? Because we lost. Oh, shocker! Shocker. To say I was uh, I was angry and a portion blame. He was the poor goalkeeper. Who got it? Who uh, was a goalie? I was more concerned with our, our defence, I think, at the time. Uh, and had, uh, I, you know, that's a lot of money. Bit of Troy Deeney going on there. Bit of Troy Deeney from you. <laughs> uh, bit of Troy, that's uh, okay as a player. It's, you always, can, it's always somebody you can, else's you fault. You can fire shots as a player, especially if you're on a goal bonus. Three years later, meanwhile, Blackburn 7, Sheffield yeah. Wednesday 2. Two more oh, goals yeah. from Sutton. Two more goals from Sutton. Yeah, it was Roy Hodgson, yeah. Uh, yeah oh, we did. Great finishes that night. Um, yeah, um, we actually were top of the Premier League, I think, around the Christmas period. Beat Martin Keown's uh, Arsenal 3-1 at Highbury. What great was, win. What was your goal bonus when you were at uh, Blackburn? Must have I, wasn't on, I, I didn't have a goal bonus at Blackburn. That's what? why I used to pass the cheer. <laughs> you scored all those goals and weren't on a goal bonus. Who was doing your contract? Your wife? Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, it's fu- funny you should say that. She got the goal bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no, only only goal bonus I was on was at Norwich City. That's odd. Mm. And, and, you know, and, on, and I never knew that goal bonuses didn't count if you if you, if no, you well, lost your dream. I, I don't mind. Well, I did mind it, but I don't mind that. You, you know, you've got to sort of get something out of the game. Yeah, well, there we go. Anyway, there we go. That's, I think it's always worth reminding people that you did score the odd goal in your career. Mm. You know, we, Didn't we, always get paid for them. We, but... sit, we, sit, we don't always get paid for doing this either, but that's another story. Um, right, that's it. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Um, we've, we've enjoyed this. Great to be back in the studio together. Um, we'll be on Zoom again on Thursday. Thursday for our uh, It's All Kicking Off weekend preview show uh, and we're back here next Monday. Please remember to subscribe. Um, If you've got any views on the debate about um, top five Premier League midfielders, 
do let us know and I will get back to it next week. Um, I'm in Ladyman. The early riser to my left is Chris Sutton and this has been It's All Kicking Off. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.